Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage. And pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. thinking about the different art around the house yeah. and what places things can go. I've and got my tools to, and all my hangers ready to go. And if we need to, you know, get some stuff framed or really make pieces pop and match because we've got a bunch of art that's never been hung. Right. The fence for the chickens is done and we had a hurricane. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which Barely actually, missed us. It wasn't even... Uh, by the way, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Oh, we're, hello, we're good morning. Glad, we're glad to have you here. Hello, yeah, I've got morning. my coffee. I hope you have yours. Exactly. Welcome to the dinner table. And if you live in our area and you're a listener, then you just got to experience the uh, tropical storm Nicholas. Well, for that matter, if you live anywhere on the coast of Texas, yeah. you had to like, we were all watching this little... Ducking and weaving. But, you know, Joe, I have like a severe case of... I just can't handle the panic state that everyone is often in these days anymore. It feels like everyone's ready to be agitated. I'm ready. Right. Give me the topic for today. Uh, I'm ready to get all rustled up and irritated about this thing. Just tell me what it's going to be. There's a great discussion about the great divide. And first of all, there's a lot of people that really are not connected with anything that even makes any sense anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's also this whole other situation of lots of dividing happening. You know, one of the things I said in the end of season one, as we were beginning the phases of the pandemic, was... You've got two roads, and I had no idea, like, how How many people are going to contribute in creating a divide. In everything. Right. So you're either one of the people that is watching the news and panicking like crazy over everything that happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were people talking about boarding up their windows in Corpus Christi. Right. The school got canceled. And then we got, like... An inch of rain I, I, and no a, major wind at a, all. There was a great post that said, thank goodness they canceled the schools. The kids would have gotten sunburned during PE. Yeah. And we're from here, went to elementary school here. And I'm telling you right now, it makes no sense to me. I'm, we begged to get a day off. Now, I guess it's just so easy to close the schools. They just close the schools anytime they... Yeah, you they know. are in an attitude of... About your kid didn't come to school. It's cool. Don't worry about it. We've been going through this. Well, pandemic. that part I understand. And I guess the reason why at the end of the day, they just cancel the schools is mm -hmm. because they just don't think people are intelligent enough to make good decisions for their own families anymore. Uh, may have something to do with it. And but not only that, when it comes to it, it's always about money. If they cancel school, then they don't just have kids missing school. And they'll typically at least cancel school the night before, the day before, so that you've got some kind of prep. We were getting ready to leave. My daughter was fully dressed. I yeah. think her lunch was packed. Uh, she didn't even know. She was fully dressed and ready to go. And then a text came in or whatever from the school district. We're canceling the classes today. It's like, oh, thank God I didn't get her on the road. Yeah. Because the road to and from the farm, I'm sure we're going to talk about some transitions and stuff that are going on as we are now two weeks on the farm. You mentioned that the chickens are here. I had to go retrieve them during that rain event alone. Mm -hmm. Your mom... <laughs> said wisely, we'd never throw away old animal containers. You yeah. never know. We might get a pig. We might get a baby lamb. You could get a rabbit at any moment on this farm. You have no <laughs> idea. So these things are good to have. But getting those chickens in the rain by myself with chickens that did not want to get into yeah, those crates. Yeah, that was kind of a funny situation because you you were like, no, I got it. I'll go. And, and part of that, I think, is us trying to like manage 
cash flow in terms of gas money running back and forth, back and forth. Everybody's running back and forth and just the move. Anyone that's ever moved, no matter how easy you try to make it on yourself, there's always going to be a little bit of a cash mm-hmm. flow bloop mm. because you've got all of a sudden a bunch of expenses yeah, you don't pay that aren't movers. a part of your normal... Right. Yeah, and then, of course, the list, oh, yeah, we're going to need one more light fixture. Oh, right. yeah, we don't have right. shower curtains. Right. We had shower curtains at the old house. Do you really want to bring those slimy, nasty things over here? <laughs> have you gotten a good look at those shower curtains in a while? Right. Hold on. Let exactly. me see. Ew, you're right. Uh, let's get some new shower curtains. So when you went over to do that, and then it was a, it was raining, and you had a hard time catching the chickens, and I was <laughs> no, like... No, no, no. Honey, there's only five chickens here. Honestly, when you said that, I wasn't concerned. Sure. I, at that point, I was like, don't worry. Just leave the coop open. She'll come home. She'll be there, and she'll be trying to figure out where all her sisters are. They come home. They're, they're inbred and imprinted within them to go to the safe space that they know. Mm-hmm. They have an internal GPS system to yeah, find it. Yeah, And the thing that's going to get in their way is a fence that they're not expecting. Or something Or a door them. that they're not expecting. <laughs> right. Or a dog or a raccoon or a possum or a whatever right. the predator is that overnight when they're not in the safety of their coop, that's where I get concerned. But I got the five over here. Luckily, the same neighbors that called us about the pit bulls called and said, um, have you guys taken the chickens yet? Because there's a chicken walking around in your front yard. There's a chicken like, walking around in the neighbor's front yard. Oh, that's ours. Oh, okay. She's the one we're looking for. I can't get there for a few hours. So can you put a lawn chair on your front yard and just watch the chicken all day, please? Make sure it doesn't get A, killed, B, where it lands. So I, had, I did have to go back the next day to get the one chicken from underneath a car in the neighbor's driveway with the neighbor and her grandson oh, that's a who funny was story. home from school because it got school got canceled. Right. <laughs> while I'm out in the sun right. trying to go wrangle a chicken. So when we brought the five home and le- released them in a brand new area after a car ride, which chickens kind of don't like, they were very freaked. Where am I? What yeah. is this? Yeah. Our slot bowl made it. Our buckets of food yeah. made it. The water container made it. So I, that looks familiar. The five chickens, when they get out of reticent, that sixth chicken that had been slept overnight Underneath a car mm-hmm. where a cat, I mean, it, it, mm, <laughs> I can't think about it. I let her loose with the flock and she had a completely different, I'm home. Oh, thank God. Here's my people. Where have y'all been? What did y'all do? I was under a car. <laughs> so yeah, they're all we together. We need to watch Chicken Run. I have not. I wa- would watch it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I think so you're absolutely know they right. talk to each other and, and all of that. So in the midst of all Got of that, her. I don't know if I had said it out loud or just like thought it into the universe, which in this day and age for me, I feel like sometimes I just think it in the universe and then all of a sudden it's like right there in front of me, <laughs> which is nice because it makes my life a lot easier. But my mom showed me this thing because they look, her and my dad look at the, the marketplaces pretty often, especially the farm marketplaces, because, you know, they're looking for equipment and tools that can be used on the farm or, you know, pieces of discarded fence material. Or- I like to watch him work, I'm learning, where it's collect your materials, get all your materials together. When the time becomes available, it's just bang the project out. Yeah, that greenhouse that I'm using out here that got built actually about a year ago. Mm-hmm. The majority of what the building is built with is about like six or eight old windows that were going to be discarded. Somebody was putting new windows in their house and they had these old windows and they put them online, 25 bucks. My dad's like, that's what I'm building your greenhouse with. I was like, sold. But in the meantime, my mom finds a silky rooster because she has heard me think or say, (laughs) she's heard me think that I want a small rooster, a cute rooster, a little guy. I do not want somebody's discarded jerk of a rooster. 
because oh, that yeah. happens a lot. That's a selective breeding technique. This rooster is aggressive. Let's just give him to someone else. Let's take him to the farm. He's yeah. going to his farm well, life. He's going to be Which aggressive out here. Life? No, thank you. Yeah, like These are still backyard chickens. Even if they're farm backyard chickens, they're mm -hmm. still backyard chickens, which means we want our friends to be able to take their kids in, in the coop with the chickens and we don't want a rooster Screw chasing those a kid. Kids. I don't want to go into <laughs> right. the chicken into with the chicken run. Have a baseball bat. Jessica carries a baseball bat with her when she goes yeah, to a chicken not, coop. That's not the life we're creating out here. <laughs> no, like... and, and listen, it's probably safe to include that the city ordinance where our chickens were do not allow for roosters for many reasons. And that's a very common ordinance across the country. If you want to have backyard chickens in an, in an incorporated city, fine, no roosters. Right. And that makes a lot of sense for them to do it that way for several reasons. Number one, they're noisy. They make a lot of noise. All chickens make noise, but they make a lot more noise. And they usually make it really, really early in the morning. Female chicken noises are cute. <laughs> they can be pretty noisy too, because one of the females will always begin to act like the rooster. So she kind of tries to crow, but mm -hmm. she, her crow is not the same. Mm -hmm. They also are aggressive. Like we mentioned before. So that's, you know, you don't want pets that are aggressive. Your responsibility whether it's a, is Whether to, it's a dog that's aggressive yeah. or a chicken that's aggressive, you don't want aggressive animals. The responsibility because... they learn at chicken high school, absent of human interaction, is to protect my flock. And if I have to yes. get aggressive, I have to. And then the other big reason that I often tell people mm -hmm. about chickens and small flocks is that you can't have a rooster and like six ladies because he needs minimally eight ladies before he starts wearing them out, basically. Right. Ripping all their feathers out mm -hmm. and all kinds of things like that. That's the reason why when we came out here, I was like, all right, we're going to get ourselves a rooster. Yep. He's going to be a small guy because a small guy can do the job just as well as a big guy can. And, <laughs> and we're not here. We're not necessarily doing it because we need him to fertilize the eggs. However, he's going to fertilize the eggs, which by the way, egg getter, yes. you got to get the eggs every day. Otherwise, we're going to end up with half a baby embryo yeah. in a, inside an egg that we do not want to eat. Let's not have that adventure when I'm making a cake. Which, by the way, <laughs> for those of you that don't know this, chickens make eggs even if they don't have roosters. So the one question I get. Number one. Wait, how do you have eggs if you don't have a rooster? Um, does your wife lay eggs and not have a, even if she doesn't have a rooster? That didn't come out quite right. But you know what I mean. <laughs> So I was really excited to get Nimrod. His name is Nimrod, by the way. And the reason that. that happened was because a someone that has is a breeder that shows silky bred chickens mm -hmm. had him as one of her show chickens. Mm -hmm. However, it's kind of like our poodle. Yeah. Our poodle is not exactly a show poodle, but comes from a show bred poodle. So Hel we get the animal, but we never win the beauty contest right. as the judges right. describe whatever it is. A good they're reason looking for. to stay connected with well bred animal owners because they often have dogs or animals that fall into yeah. a well bred category. You but see how that toenail's pet. a little crooked? It would never win a thing. We got to get rid of it. What's wrong with it otherwise? Absolutely nothing. We would love for it to have a good home. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what happened. But where we picked him up from, the street was called Nimrod. Right. And then I thought, well, that's a funny name for a chicken. And then I looked up the word Nimrod. I would think it's an insult. It, right. An insult uh, to... An idiot. A dummy. It's an ineffective human. Okay. It's uh, a, that's the definition? Yeah. It's, a, it's, okay. a, it's an incapable human. No Nimrods at this table. But yes. the word Nimrod, before we co-opted it in the human language and turned it into calling a human something stupid, we used the word Nimrod, which meant a tactical and skilled hunter. Huh. And a rooster, a good rooster, is a tactical and skilled hunter for his flock. Sure. And he not only does he protect his flock, 
Not only do they follow him around everywhere he goes, but he's got side ladies. And then when he finds a good grub or a good worm, or he happens to catch a lizard or something like that, he will take that to his head lady and give it to her. Huh. Kung Pao chicken yeah. with Bard Rock. Uh-huh. She's the head lady. Okay. When you mix flocks together, mm-hmm. and we had only had this experience with hens, they war until it all gets settled out, and then they become friends, but there is a distinct pecking order. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen when the rooster was let loose. Mm-hmm. You're right. Kung Pao reared up to say, hey, new chicken, this is what we do. We pick on each other on the new people. <laughs> <laughs> and that little rooster, who's three quarters her size, and he just doesn't even have the wings the, to fly. Like no, he's got the it's the cutest thing wings. ever. Go to our Facebook page and our because we've got videos of this dude. He's hilarious. Oh, he wouldn't. No, excuse me. I'm uh, a rooster. Did you? Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I will be dominating everybody here. And he came back at her and put her in her place. And for the rest of the evening, and I was going over there every twenty minutes just to peek and see if I could get uh-huh. some good video. They were cowered in the corner. Uh-huh. we don't know what's going on right now. Uh-huh. This is different than our uh-huh. entire lives up until this point. Now it seems like, and you would know better than me being here during the day, that they're very much all getting along now. Yeah, he leads, they follow, mm-hmm. and Kung Pao is always right next to him. He also has figured out, and you, we knew this, Kung Pao, she will... Squ- be ready for a squat. rooster. Yeah. She will squat the way a rooster because wants her to squat. If there's no rooster in your flock, we are the roosters. Right. So when we would go out with food, sometimes, not always, they squat and they put their ass right in your face. Yeah. No, 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 thank you. <laughs> uh, but in the rooster chicken world, I yeah. guess that's very enticing. And it's funny because he's not very big and our hens are big hens. Uh-huh. He tried to jump on Maleficent the other day and she laughed at him. Oh, and you, just, oh, like I haven't flew, seen that happen she yet. She literally flew away and uh-huh. he was like, uh, next time and you. Then, and then he went, I'll get you. And he jumped on top of Kung Pao. And he's like, you're my head lady. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our backyard coop in town became a bit of a teaching show place. No doubt about that. Everybody there was always the intention. Yeah. Um, and we used to, the organization that I ran, we used to run a backyard chicken coop tour. And Joe was excited to get on the tour, which is what motivated us to actually get the coop built and, and things the going. Ordered, the chickens yeah. in the backyard. And one of the things that he did was he created this really cool tunneling system that was a permanent tunneling system and then built us the portable tunneling system to add on to the permanent tunneling system. So we were able to show people how to create the tunneling system so that your chickens aren't exactly free range, but they have plenty of space to find new worms, to help you with your gardens. But I'll tell you, because it's prepping season for the gardens and it's planting season as well. I'm spending a lot of my time cleaning footpaths in my gardens Mm -hmm. and I shouldn't be spending my time doing that because I've got chickens that can get it done in uh, easily a day, these particular gardens. And so all I need to do is start transporting them over and putting them inside of some kind of a chicken tractor tunnel Mm -hmm. and then letting them loose on that area and they'll have that area knocked out. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm eager to get that stuff set up and get it going because that will help me out with my labor. Systems, transitions, welcome to the dinner table. Unanswered questions. You asked a simple question, but an interesting question last week. When you buy an herb or spice at the store, it's not cilantro weed. It's not parsley weed. Why do they call it dill weed? Why? Very simply, there are two things available for sale. Dill seed Uh and dill weed, which is the ground up leaves and stems that you would put in our ranch dressing. That's funny. Why they do it with dill and no other herb, 
a hundred percent unknown. But thank goodness they did it that way because Beavis and Butthead is the actual thing that popularized the term dill weed as a insult. Right. Over the years of me gardening, I always would, I mean, I knew that people use the word dill weed and that makes sense to me because I have watched how dill is very, very easy. It's also a good cover crop. So it'll reseed. It makes lots and lots of seeds. It is easy to become what someone might call a weed. But it is weird to me that it just simply because means cilantro does the same. It does absolutely does the same thing. It, if yeah. you let your cilantro go to seed, just like you let your dill go to seed, you will have cilantro everywhere. It'll be in your whole farm. Yeah. Like it'll be everywhere. I will tell you that the dill seed and the dill weed are not to be interchanged. If you have one and not the other, but need the other, you don't say, I'll just use dill seed if I don't have dill. No, no, no. They have two distinct flavors and that's not uncommon either. Two distinct uses. Think about it. There's a recipe that will call for mustard seed, and there's a recipe that would call for ground mustard. Mm-hmm. Same with cumin. In our cupboard right now, I've got cumin seed and cumin powder. But doesn't that have more to do with the texture you're looking for and less to do with the flavor? Because mustard seed tastes the same as mustard powder. Aislinn, I thought we'd get out of here without a gong. <laughs> One year ago today. Time Time What are we doing here? What are we doing here? We say it every week, but one year ago's episode, episode 2.03, is one to listen to. Oh, yeah. The star of the show was your day-long adventure tour of a local dairy farm. That's correct. My friends at Cannoli Farm invited me out last year, and it was a fantastic event. It probably, if I had to be honest, it was probably my favorite episode to get a chance to talk about. I just really, it was a truly amazing experience. The pictures were incredible. And they reposted the picture from the day that we were out there the other day Mm -hmm. because it's been a year since they basically, that was their first touch. I was there when they made their first test batches of cheese and they ran their pasteurizing equipment for the first time. And I got to see the milk truck pull up and take some of the milk from the old way that they'd been doing it. I mean, just this whole experience. And now one year later, they're celebrating it as well. And I told them that is one of the best days of my life. And it's funny because the farmer was like, oh, goodness, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, you yeah. got to see how but, they handled I a mean, couple sick cows. You got to see everything. the birth of a cow. You got to see their uh, new it, facility. We herded cows on a gator. And he goes, okay, which I need to give him a call. It's um, uh, Canali Farm. I need to give them a call because he's he's asked me. He, he's funny like that. He'll give me a call and he'll be like, I need to talk to you. Okay. But, um, and it's usually some kind of awesome offer. Like, come visit me at right. the farm, Mike, right? Do you want to have um, a once-in-a-lifetime yes. adventure? I thought you might be interested. Right. Uh, and he goes, see uh, you in an hour. Come back anytime. This time, don't wear your red jacket. It irritates the bulls. That's funny. You're a walking bullfight. <laughs> I'm pretty bull red. Yeah. I'm like, literally, I'm as red as they come. Yeah, that was a really fun adventure. So if you haven't heard that episode, you should definitely go back and listen to it. It is episode... 2.03. So last week began our curry challenge. I thought I'd keep it going. Last week was using a paste, the Penang curry paste. Mm-hmm. This week, let's make a dish where the primary curry ingredient is the curry powder. Mm-hmm. But let's make it easy. What happens when I Google curry chicken wings? Mm-hmm. A billion recipes come up with <laughs> curry powder being that primary mm-hmm. ingredient. And the one that I used is the exact same thing. Make your chicken wings the way I always do, which is just in the oven at 425 on a piece of parchment paper with a plenty of salt, pepper, and a little dash of baking soda. 
Flip them once. After 45, 50 minutes, they come out nice and crispy. And all you got to do is just have your sauce ready to go. You take those hot wings, put it in the sauce, toss, 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 just like you see them do at the wing joint, and you've got flavored wings. Make five different sauces, you'll have five different wing flavors. But this was, I made two, our good old-fashioned hot wings and these new curry wings. So what was my sauce? That's the only question. Coconut milk, the curry powder, a dash of honey, a dash of fish sauce, and some chili garlic sauce. It was good. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was great either. But the next day, which is now the second time in two weeks that I've said this, it tasted to me much, much better with the curry sauce that was on the wings having a chance overnight to just, you know, blend and mature. Yeah, I noticed that as well. But I will also say over the next five weeks, let's stop making food that I have to eat with my front teeth, please. Uh, Wings aren't good for that? No, as I was sitting there like gnawing on these wings, I thought to myself, oh, I should be more careful. Yeah, you had a big And then I had a big, big, huge additional dentist day yesterday, a long day. And me and the dentist were both very tired at the end of the day. And she goes, okay, don't break those teeth. I need you to keep them in for five weeks. And she really brought that up again because they were talking about it had been such a long day and no one had eaten anything. I'm there with my mouth wide open listening to the doctors all talk about how no one had eaten anything because everybody had been working all day in my mouth. And then so finally when I got up, I was like, oh, by the way, all I've had to eat today was an apple. And she goes, and she didn't go, oh my God, you haven't eaten anything. She goes, don't you dare eat an apple. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. She goes, how are you? apples and I go I cut them up she goes don't you chew in the front of your teeth you know and I was like okay I got to take it more serious this mm-hmm. time but after the five weeks is done she called it the delivery which uh, means my new permanent, permanent yeah. six front teeth will be there that's fantastic the end of that adventure and it's getting close yeah, and mean, it's literally been a year yeah. I started this process a year ago right and you know when Transition on the farm, getting out here, the move, blah, blah, blah. It's really all about tweaking algorithms. So Mm -hmm. if you tell me I need softer food or something that's not going to, I just got to tweak that algorithm, tweak that algorithm. That, and I hope you'll make an additional batch of that panang curry that you made the other day with the tromboncino squash for my long lunch club, which we're going to be hosting next week on September the 29th. And I would love for you guys to come out to that. So if you are interested in getting a ticket, be sure to let me know. As if that wasn't curry enough, I decided to make curry french fries to go alongside our chicken wings. Yeah, I think that you still have a lot of learning to do as it relates to the new oven and and the new stove you're dealing with. Because I think that that's what happened. Because it it wasn't that the flavor of the chicken wings Mm -hmm. or everything just wasn't cooked right. The chicken wings were a little dry and the fries were overcooked. Put a pin in that. I want to come back to that. Okay. The curry fries are the way I make french fries which is a double fry method. You do it at 350 for five minutes, take them out, put them back in at 400 until they're done. But this time I tossed my uncooked potatoes cut with my mandolin to French fry shape and size with curry powder, turmeric, salt, pepper, paprika, and some chili powder before you put them in the fry. I do agree with you that it had everything to do with using the uh, the new stovetop but the flavor on them I thought was incredible and such an easy way to change French fries rather than just cooking your potatoes and adding salt later. Yeah. You know when you do something the first time and it's not make French fries, but it's make French fries on that stove the second yeah. time, the yeah. third time, the 20th time, 
is going to be so much better right. than before. Yeah. I'm enjoying the curry challenge and I'm enjoying adding this flavor profile to our kind of overall thing. Most of my experiences when they do like curry fries and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. you know that Rosen Crown pub that we like to go watch soccer games at, they have a curry fry. Yeah, of course. And then it's a British one of our, pub, they would. Yeah, and then one of our favorite Thai restaurants, BKK in Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. has a curry fry. With truffles. But truffle they oil. don't do, the, the, the seasoning isn't on the fries. The seasoning is in the aioli. aioli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like a curry sauce that they serve with it. Okay, a curry sauce that's kind of general purpose so that when the curry challenge is over, we're not eating curry as often, we can just throw a little bit of that flavor in by having an a, a go-to aioli to put into our life. Yeah, and I wonder with uh, BKK, the Thai restaurant, I wonder whether they're actually making – I don't think theirs is an aioli. I think they might just be using one of their curries – and serving it to you in a little dish oh, I because see. it tastes very similar to the Panang curry that I eat there anytime I go there, <laughs> you know? So I think that they might just be using the Panang curry to serve with their french fries and calling them curry french fries. It's kind of fun. By the time this challenge is over, we're going to be able to do it all. <laughs> Clearly, transitions are happening everywhere in our life. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because I think that we're in alignment with the flow of what's happening all across this planet in terms of transition time. And even as simply as just saying, well, the school year has started and everybody's back to going to school and the college kids are going back to school. And now my senior, who is a senior in high school, whose brothers are both in college, Mm -hmm. is taking on adulting as if it's time for her to transition to being an adult. And I'm not 100% sure I'm ready for that. I had a moment with her where you had to remind me, she's going to college next year. So when your daughter says, I want to go to College Station with my friends next weekend, unattended, Mm -hmm. no adults. Mm -hmm. No way. She's too young for that. (laughs) You're like, no, Joe, she goes to college next year. How the hell did that happen? Yeah, exactly. And she was very excited. And your daughter turned course, 16 in her... two weeks. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's been funny. I, I noticed there was a little stream of conversation going on about a lot of our friends. Their kids are becoming teenage age. Like mm-hmm. they're getting their first teenagers. Right. We just had kids that were a little bit older. Right. We're just dipping our toe into teenage obstinance. How yeah. did you deal with it? Yeah. I told somebody the other day, I said, well, we've been teenaging for 13 years. (laughs) And I said, it's a fun riot. (laughs) You never know what you're going to get. You never know where you're going to go. And also err on the side of giving them freedom and independence. Listen, I promise you that if you don't give your children the chance to make mistakes while you're around to help, it's going to get real bad those first years in college because they don't know what to do. My daughter rushes home to tell me all the stories that happened in College Station while she was there pretending to be an adult, Uh adulting, right? Right. And one of those stories included, so-and-so hit the curb, and I don't even want to know why they hit a curb while driving. Right. But so-and-so hit the curb, and he blew up the tire. Oh, that's that's a fun thing to do your first time. And I literally said... Ah, so you're getting to have some adulting experiences because she's telling me the story about how she's sitting on the side of the road and she has to call because the person who's driving needs this to happen and they're trying to get someone else on the phone and they're trying to get help. And And we're not 15 minutes away to come help. We're not 15. Not only are we not 15 minutes away to go to help, but when they get to that adulting stage, especially when they're still trying to pretend to be adults, they're not actually adults yet. 
They don't really want us to know that they're on the side of the road with a blown up tire. So they're now adulting by themselves without talking to us about it at all. Sure. I hate that crap, by the way. Yeah. I always want to consistently say there is nowhere that you are that you can't call me for help no matter what you've done. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't later on go. Let's talk about I'm, some decisions. Please. I need you to protect your safety because, as I told my son who turns 22 yesterday, 22 years ago was the best day of my life. As you celebrate your 22nd birthday tonight with your friends and your brother and everybody and you're enjoying your life, do not make tomorrow the worst day of my life when I learned that something horrible has happened to my 22-year-old mm -hmm. son. You know, and so that's the stage turns, of life we're in. My son turns 21 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? And here we are adulting. Here we are adulting with our children. And I think the transitions that we're making as a family, you can see we're on the downhill slope of having a house full of teenagers for the last 13 years of our lives. And I know when your daughter goes to school and my daughter is the only one left and she has seen the amount of kind of freedom and independence that your daughter has had, mm -hmm. she's going to want that for herself because, the, oh, Lily got to do it this way. I should be able to get it. Do it. Okay, I understand that argument. And not only that. Oh, Lily gives me that argument all the time. I just uh, keep trying to say, um, both of your brothers your, but, were an entire year older than you when they were seniors in high school. But right. it doesn't matter because she's going to college. So she's got to be prepared. When you are met with transition and you have in your mind come up with the negative parts of it, they tend to become the biggest monsters in the room. Mm -hmm. There's 99 awesome things. I'm only focused on the one negative one. Ah, your ego is trying to protect you from it all. Yeah, and in some cases, not all, that one thing is a big thing. But in this case, I think that the one thing was the distance away from the life that they know. I don't mind moving to the farm. I don't mind having a new room. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I don't really mind anything. But the distance is so bad that that's the only thing that I'm going to Oh, my mom said, and I didn't even live as far out in the country as we live now. Right. My mom said, when I was a teenager in high school, even with a car, without a car, I complained about the drive out to our rural house, which literally was like, you could walk yeah. from the high school to my house. And that wasn't a fun walk, but you could. And I complained all the time. So two weeks into this adventure, we can now look around and see... The furniture in place, the kitchen put together, the, the Wi-Fi up, the television where we it was a fantastic place to put it. Turn that thing off, by the way. Okay. All right. I do not want that energy sucker sucking the life out of my house anymore. Okay. I'll get back to my story now. It's a, it's a, bla <laughs> it's a black box of soul-sucking energy garbage not most when, of the time. Until we watch Ted Lasso. That's right. And it's energy giving. But the thing Be about purposeful. it is, is that you know that there are people that literally cover the TV with a blanket to keep it from being an energy sucker in their house? When you diverted us just then, I thought, I'll put this at the end of the podcast, <laughs> but now I might just keep it right here in the middle. <laughs> We carry on. Okay, no, transition. No, 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 I'm glad. I mean, this is a transition no, thing. No, you're the absolutely TV right. The TV is not at the center of my soul. Correct. <laughs> it is here, Correct. and I can use it if I choose to. I said to myself when we didn't have Wi-Fi for the five days that we didn't have it. I'm enjoying sitting down purposefully almost every night and reading my book because I love to read and I don't make time for it. But that since the girls are seeing the space that's created. And Lily got new furniture, which is exciting. And, and my daughter's putting new art up on her wall. And She's putting her teenage posters up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, there's they, a they both teenage poster said, thing happening right now in the world. It's, what name name a couple of the teenage posters that were on the wall when oh. you were in high school or teenager, you know, whatever. Do you can you think of any? Yeah, why don't we do that for our random question of the week? Okay. They have both said out loud, I kind of love everything about this except for that distance. And it's just managing that transition in their own minds and us helping them do that to make this 100% awesome. I feel like my daughter's a free-range kid at this point because I don't even know whether I'm ever, like, when when will I get to... I'm going to talk to her dad again about her just being out here with us on the nights that she's not... Supposed to kind of be. That she's just going to be at home. Right. Not out. Right. Because... Which is a good thing to learn right before you go to college is that being a homebody for the purposes of your schooling and education and homework and all that, you don't want to get distracted. I certainly did when I was a freshman in college. But the transition for me is the commute. That's it. Mm -hmm. The space that we have created. Mm, There's a city boy transition happening. I know that you think that. And you told me the other morning, I was saying things because I have a fear that you don't like it out here when that just isn't the case. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about your staff member saying, because he lives out here in our area, Mm -hmm. saying to you, are you sure you're going to be able to do, there's no movie theater out there. He knows me as Mr. Corpus Christi. He's the only employee I have that's a friend of mine on Facebook. He sees what we do. Mm-hmm. that I don't go back to the office and say, should have seen the fine meal we had at Vietnam last night. I don't, I, but we post that stuff online. He sees it all. I think that was his question. And I want to get into this. How do you feel about being away from things and activities that you can do at a moment's notice? Like before we could walk to the grocery store and to the marble slab. Before, <laughs> if you want me to make some fudge, whatever, yeah, I, I don't have evaporated milk, but I can go a block and a half away and buy it. Mm-hmm. Six minutes, I'm back if there's no one in line at the self-checkout. Mm-hmm. That is gone. If I have to go to the grocery store to get a missing ingredient, it's not a big, big deal. So we passed through the town where Poseidon, the um, Aquaman-themed Hacha Hacha restaurant is, yes. to get home. That's where I grew up, by the way. And I <laughs> that knew town. that our big, big local grocery chain, that would be my grocery chain. Uh-huh. And I went for my first time. Yep. And Aislinn, I didn't get past the avocados at the front door before yep. someone said, Hey, Joe! Yep. And it was where the O'Keefe's our very first friends with benefits uh-huh. here on the show. Uh-huh. It was my good friend, Ian. Oh, I didn't realize it was Ian. You didn't tell me that. Well, I couldn't That's tell hilarious. you that because while I was talking to him. Laura walked up. Laura walked. Hey, Joe. <laughs> oh, new, your new HEB experience. Yeah, he I was like, oh my God. Phone. I'm going to call Aislinn and yeah. ha- you talk to her. Yeah. I'm going to finish talking to you. It was like I was at the neighborhood HEB at that I, point. And I told you, I said, I told Laura, I said, I told Joe, like, I'm already bad. And everybody knows I don't go to the grocery store. Yeah. But I promise you. I'm not going to that grocery store because you cannot walk in that grocery store without your makeup on Uh because you're going to see it. Well, I don't wear makeup at all, but Uh you know what I mean, ladies. You know what I mean. You're going to see literally everyone you know, everyone you went to high school with, everyone. Who was at the Met Gala that had the like full face? Like That was Kim Kardashian. Yeah, that should become more in vogue for those times (laughs) that you want to go into the grocery store and not, no one knows who you are at all. Well, if I had been, if I had been all about the mask, wearing that would have worked just fine for me but. right so because this is the case what's happened that i love is that in a, one of our chats 
there's a lot of chats. There's a chat with me, you, and your mom. There's a chat with me, you, your mom, and your dad. Where that we, should be farm focused. Where we talk about farm stuff. But with the cooking stuff, it's with me, you, and your mom. And I'm loving this idea of, hey, I'm going to the store. Anybody need anything? I'm getting used to that. Because at the beginning of it, and you know me very well, it was, nope, we got it. Nope, we got it. Nope, nope, we got it. And then it's like, wait a second. All I need is a bell pepper. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we could use a bell pepper. Mm-hmm. And now I've begun asking. I'll be headed to the store on the way home. Mm-hmm. Anybody need anything? Yeah. In fact, I do. Please pick up some mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. You've got it. Mm-hmm. Community helping community. Mm-hmm. But community also being mindful of time management. Hey, I'm going to Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Anybody need anything? And we almost Huge always do. Huge <laughs> transition in letting myself, A, receive help. I don't know. I don't know why I'm resistant. I don't know why my nature is to be resistant to that. Mm-hmm. This would be when you philosophize about it, but I'll, I guess we'll give you some oh, time to Oh, I could go real deep philosophizing about Joe, but I don't think we have time for that today. Hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll allow us to not do that then. <laughs> <laughs> the, ter- the transition of shutting this house down at night has become a huge comfort, enjoyable thing. The dog needs to go out. Is the chicken door closed? Is the kitchen put away? Because one thing I can tell that we've, are doing is just treating this place. I have reset my standards to the way that they were. And this is the thing. And I was talking to my mom about this yesterday, speaking of kids and transitions and all of that. I have tried to figure out how to lead our household in keeping our areas, you know, as clean as we possibly could keep them. Right. But I gave up in -hmm. the last house. I gave up. Mm -hmm. And I remember I told my mom yesterday because Things get broken mm-hmm. and people hide it. They're afraid to like say that mm-hmm. it got broken. So they just throw it in the trash or they just leave it and then someone has to clean it up. Any mom knows that that's a thing that happens with kids. But there were two things that happened in my shift of that stuff over the house. One of them was I'm not going to yell at my daughter every single time she comes to my home yeah. for the short amount of time that I get to see her about the fact that her room is a gut bucket. I'm just not going to. I'll just shut the door. Like in a cartoonish way. I was like that too when I was her age, by the way. yeah. And the second thing about that was I remembered that story and the kids brought it up when they were all together the last time. Hey, you remember that time that somebody broke the such and such and we all had to sit down and nobody would tell the truth and everyone was lying about it and it was a big deal and da da da. And I was like, yeah, I remember it. And that was a switch. Those two things were a switch because I was like, I will just give up. And I did. I gave up. And then our house just got dirtier and more unmaintained and it just got things. And then there would be a rush of And things that activity. mattered to me were yeah. just getting broken, but I didn't, I, I was trying to learn how to not care about the things mm-hmm. that were getting broken all mm-hmm. over the place and not be mad at the baby because she never eats food at the table. So you started cooking and I just shift, I just turned off my, uh, I, I, I Domestic. Can't. I turned it off yeah. because I couldn't do it there. And here. I have reset my standards yeah. again. You're starting and with a white canvas for one thing, and you can write those rules if they're rules, but you can write those guidelines. For myself. For and you. I need you to understand that. Oh, go ahead. This isn't about anyone else. This is about, this is my home, right. and I want it to be clean. I don't want there to be ants in my daughter's room because she's left some food out 
for three or four days because right. we haven't seen her back in a while. And I don't want things to get broken mm-hmm. that are just left there because I'm irritated because somebody didn't tell me they broke something. Yeah. I want it to get clean. And so the standard that I have set is that even if I have to clean up after everyone in this house, I guess that's the life I'm living because that's the life I want to live in order to have a nice life. Sure. And so I go around still now to this day and I pick up beer cans and snack wrappers and all kinds of crap all over the house and I put away the peanut butter and the bread every single morning and I just this is these are the new standards of my life and I'm okay with that because I love my home and I love where I am and Nimrod's not drinking beer already is he it's just about energetic standards for me it's about Mm -hmm. setting my standards and saying this is what I want in my life and I have had to say to myself contagious by the way well I have I've had to teach myself one bite of the elephant at a time yeah but the transition for moving, the transition for our relationship, the transition for all of the things going on in the world has been pretty challenging for me. That empathic nature of being able to feel and being sensitive to all of the transitions that are happening. Yeah. And I've been hearing a lot, a couple of things being said a lot recently about the transition that the entire world is making. And even this concept of the great divide that I mentioned at the beginning, and that is that there is a cognitive distance going on right now where it's like everything is different and going back to normal is everyone knows that that's impossible however we're in this weird space in time right now where we don't know so we're just ignoring and we're just pretending like everything is just like completely normal but there's a whole group of people that are creating a new collective of energy and not a part of the great divide, more of a bridge between the two sides of whatever is going on. Sure. And I really appreciated, because I'd been going through the stuff and just this angst of my own transition and how I'm processing all of the things that are coming from the the transition that the entire world is making are really affecting me. And I heard Charles Eisenstein, who is my favorite philosopher right now. Mm-hmm. He, he's a philosopher, but he became a really popular philosopher right after the pandemic hit. And he released a paper called The Coronation. And when he did that, he became famous. Sure. He pulled a five-minute clip out that was about wealth and well-being and relate in relationship to community. And he gave a description He says, I feel like I'm underwater and I'm struggling to get above the water. And then all of a sudden I finally get above the water to take a deep breath. I see the sun and then I feel like I'm just getting sucked back down into the hardship and the trauma and the drama and all of those things. But interestingly enough, with each time I get to the top of the water again and pop my head back up again, I see that there's new people. And then I st- I've begun to reach my hands up and they're kind of going, hey, I'm up here. Grab hand, grab my hand. And they're helping me. And we're, as a community, pulling each other up out of this old story and yeah. creating a new collective. Mm-hmm. It's bridging the great divide. And for me, hearing those kinds of standard-setting things, I'm going to eat the elephant one, one bite at a time. I understand that there is this new collective of people that want something different, and we are here to help each other. And when I heard him say that, after I had gone through this day and posted a post out into the world that said, is anyone else who used to be really good with people having a terrible time with people and not knowing how at all to even communicate anymore. 
and the number of people that said yes, yes, yes. And then one person, specifically several people said some really, really good like community. I've got a hand for you. I'm up here above the water. Here's mm-hmm. my hand. Grab it. Or I might be uh, going up and down in the water, but they together are we exactly. can hold on to one another. And Exactly. So for those of you that are feeling some of those same types of feelings, know that there is help and there is a community, a collective that is lifting us up out of that and becoming that bridge between the great divide that are helping us rise up and lift out of this transition period. You you know, all y'all know, I'm just going to be philosophizing over here, but for me, everything is connected. The transition that we're making with our home, the transition we're making in our relationship, the transition that we're making with our parents, the Kids. transition we're making with our children, the transitions we're making, we're making in the with world, our chickens. all of it is connected. Uh-huh. All of it is connected. It's all a part of this whole new, what's the next phase of life? What are the standards we are setting? What are our intentions? You mentioned transition in several different places. Mm-hmm. Do you find that when you're transitioning more easily in one of them, let's say the relationship with the kids, pull one out of that hat that we just listed, that you're transitioning more easily with the other ones? No. I think that when I stop worrying about the future Mm -hmm. and trying to protect myself from the past Mm -hmm. and focus on the moment that's happening right then and there, Mm -hmm. that's when it's easier. But otherwise... It's not easy. You're not doing it here with the thought of, and I'm doing it in these other things that aren't present in the moment of the thing that I'm tackling. The only way I'm going to get through it easy is by focusing on the one I'm in right in this very moment, which right now is a podcast, right? I'm focused on the podcast. Right. Is this going to be a great podcast? Oh, that's not the question. That's not a question. I'm literally recording the podcast right now. I'm going to record this my side of the best podcast we could do right now if I'm fully present in this moment and nowhere else. Mm-hmm. I got you. The second clarifier. And the outcome doesn't matter really. All that matters is right this very second. Sure. But the whole transitional everything that is happening is synchronistic. If you think about it, I mean, even think about the transition in the timing of the podcast going from season two to season three. That's happening right now. Yeah. It's all synchronistic. So it's a lot of processing. So don't be afraid to cry and don't be afraid to scream. Just try not to scream at other people. Final transition. Uh Uh-huh. You wanted to show your mom the house. Well, but the transition for her is my proximity to her. Right. So we put together a meal, me, you, your folks. My dad made the spaghetti sauce. Right. Hosting my mom, letting her see it for the first time. I can only imagine that does kick up a little bit of anxiety for anyone when their mother-in-law figure is coming to to visit. Oh, yeah. That, That was a rough day. All across the board. Because getting her here is no problem. I literally drive by her place to get home. But then it's a special trip to go to Corpus Christi and back to deliver her yeah. back. Which is not a big deal. I mean, It's that's, not a big deal. It's just you know, different. It's yeah. transitional. On the way home, she said a lot of really interesting things uh-huh. about basically what you guys have done together is amazing. Together, me and you. Mm-hmm. And, and she's giving full credit to your folks as well. They are so kind to me. Mm -hmm. They are clearly invested in you, my son, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was nice, but I don't intend on getting super deep (laughs) in the 15, 20 minutes to get you back to your apartment. I want to drop you off and go home. It's already 9.30. Right. One of the things, speaking of, you know, standards and just really being a little bit more comfortable in this domestic space, Mm -hmm. 
I like to cook. I do like to prepare fresh vegetables. I make smoothies every day, even when I'm not happy about my kitchen. But now I've got a lovely kitchen fresh and, and open you're and not going to be home until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So what, what can I add to the dinner? Well, I made a beautiful salad because we got to have a salad with every meal. I harvested Brussels sprouts the same day and then with some peppers and whatever. They were on the table that and night, yeah. So... We cook this delicious meal. In addition to that, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are hosting this farm-to-table lunch club right. on September the 29th. Got some tickets available for it. Yeah, but one local, of the courses there. that we're going to do is a homemade paleo winter squash ice cream. Think pumpkin spice. You know, we've talked about it before. <laughs> and we prepared that as a, as a test run, homemade ice cream right. for the dinner with your mom that night as well. It was great. It's not super sweet. We right. thought about ways to. Like your mom you know, said I, some of the recipes suggested you squirt a little honey on honey, top. and then maybe put some oats and some nuts and stuff like that. So I think we're going to add that to it as well. A little fixing but bar. I'm really excited about this first long lunch club. This one might be small, but we know how launches work. The next one will sell out. The right. next one, you know, it'll be crazy once. Well, the word inter- introducing spreads. new concepts to this community. Yeah, there is an education learning curve, but the transition of us cooking together be it literally side by side or doing a two dishes separately that we bring together for the meal, that will be a transition that I think will be fascinating mm-hmm. in season three. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. So there's been a question going around that I thought was a lot of fun and it's about what are the posters you had on your wall when you were, you know, preteen, teenage. Mm-hmm. And, and this has got me thinking because, you know, Savannah's putting up all the posters on her wall yes. right now and she's putting new posters up. She's shifted into a vampire thing, by the way. I don't yes. know if you've noticed oh, that. Oh, have I noticed? She's into vampires. But I I, I said this before. It's like a vampire. I was into vampires at that age. Uh-huh. Lestat, uh-huh. you know, the Vampire Chronicles was like a thing. I read every one of those books. What were the posters on my wall? My favorite band in high school was The Cure, mm-hmm. maybe still number one. Mm-hmm. You love your high school music the most. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And number two was a poster that I got when I went to Europe between eighth and ninth grade with my best friend and my mother. We were there for a month, and we were there during the city of Berlin's 750th anniversary. And they had this strikingly awesome poster, and that one stayed with me all the way through college. Those are the two that I think of immediately. What were you? A lot of uh, Reba McIntyre, I assume. <laughs> right. No. Tanya um, Tucker? No. I had visions of being a supermodel. And it was the first stages of the supermodels. You, that could, was the, you could still do it, by the way. I, I had real visions of that. If you go back and ask my brother or anybody about like what I was dreaming about back then. And I'm a little person. I'm not a big person. I'm small. So Kate Moss was my, I wanted to be Kate Moss. Mm-hmm. That was, by the way, if you don't know, that was when heroin chic right. was this trending supermodel. Super yeah. um, and she was a Calvin Klein model and she had tiny little breasts. Mm-hmm. And Hold she, on, let me Google this. Yeah. And I had her all over my walls. Yeah. All over my walls. I do remember that I had a Rage Against the Machine poster, the one with the burning car And I I think think, it was Gandhi, Burning Car. I think I remember. Yeah, I had that. And then I always had Jim Morrison on my wall. Uh Uh-huh. And particularly... black and white one with the beaded necklace and he's shirtless? Yes, but not the one that everyone had. There's this one where he's got his hand out. Yeah, I know know exactly what you're talking about. Which was a little bit different. And I think about it like 
I didn't have a lot of like awesome big posters. Like the boys, when they were at home, there was an NWA poster that went up on the wall. We got it in California. Yeah, you know, like the really, really cool posters. You would get the nice and you would frame them and all that. I didn't have a lot of that. I had like magazine poles. And my entire mm-hmm. wall was like paper mache with like all of these pictures of like heroin chic models. And <laughs> that's of, where I was for some reason. One of my walls was the signature wall. And if you came into my room, you could sign the oh, wall no, 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 or no, no. draw on it mm-hmm. or make a little picture. I was never allowed to do that kind of stuff yeah. on my wall. But my room was a disaster. That's easy anyways, to clean. You just... I wasn't allowed to really paint my walls and I really wasn't allowed to like write on the walls. Right. Although I'm sure I probably did it anyway, somewhere well, in there. Some of the next purchases we're making for the home are the girls and our window coverings. So those are the conversations going on right now. And I think it's wise to let the girls take full ownership of their room. There's nothing up in the posters, this new batch and the vampire thing. I think it's just, and I explained this another thing to my mom on the way home. She was saying, I want to buy Savannah some clothes because my mom's a clothes horse. But I'm just having a lot of difficulty with this look that she's got right now. Oh, my now. God. I saw a little rocker girl rocking out her um, cute little yeah. um, belly. And oh, that was, that was asked about, is her navel exposed when she goes to school? I go, yeah, they all um, are. I was about to say. I they think, all are. I was thinking about that, and we used to get in so much trouble, but... We were in the phase of the low-rise jeans. Oh, okay. With the thong strip string oh, th- yeah. showing um, over your hips. What do you call it? What, what, what did they call it back then when you could see the thong above the jeans? Wow. I don't know. I don't don't make comments that are going to offend people. No, no. It's not an but, offensive comment. They just had a name. But we could wear a regular shirt and our belly would be showing. Because the jeans were so low. They have gone back to the up around the waist high-rise style. Mm-hmm. And they can wear crop tops that don't show their navel. It's just an interesting... But even still, all of that being said, I love how much pushback I'm seeing from people saying, why do boys can wear whatever they want Uh and girls have to cover up? Yeah. Okay? And why does the girl that has the really good figure get called out for being in trouble for wearing a certain outfit to the homecoming dance or school? Mm -hmm. And the girl that maybe doesn't have that same type of figure, I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying one figure is allowed to wear a certain type of clothes. Another figure is not allowed to wear certain clothes. Even back to the days of me being in high school, where it doesn't make sense when an administrator calls a parent and says... Your daughter was dancing very provocatively in a very sexy dress, and we just wanted to let you know that was happening at homecoming. Oh, yeah, of course I know what she wore to homecoming. I watched her walk out the door, and she looked I, amazing. I, I she had a it. suit on. I'm sorry that my you were having a hard time with my 16-year-old dancing. I didn't know that there were any adult men there watching my 16-year-old. That's what you get into when you Your get... Your daughter in- was dancing at the dance, and we just wanted to let you know that. It's that called- she's too sexy to yeah. dance at the dance. That's some of the stuff that I love to, that, that I credit my parents for being the leaders of mm-hmm. breaking that systemic bullshit and yeah. helping us be the leaders of breaking that systemic bullshit. Because there were parents back then that were like, what? Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at her like that? She's 16. I saw her walk out the door. She had a suit on, arm length suit on. What are we talking about here? You know? What are we talking about yeah. here? I would come it- home and I would say, mom... My jeans were the exact same jeans that the girl next to me was wearing. The exact same kind. But she doesn't catch anybody's attention. She's not attractive. I don't mean to be ugly, but she's not attractive. Right. 
And so she can wear it, but I'm attractive, so I can't wear it. I, I it is push going hard, on. women. Yeah, That's is, bullshit. That is going on at my daughter's school, and she alerted me to a hashtag about the idea that a boy can wear shorts that are shorter than a girl can. Mm-hmm. And then the next day was a Friday, and we live in Texas. It's a football day, so the high schools do the whole pep rally and all mm-hmm. of it. I saw a cheerleader walk through the parking lot to go to school, and on game day, they wear their cheerleader uniform. And I said, wait a second. That right there, because it's a small little, Uh what do you Uh call it, skirt over bloomers. It's not in dress code. It's not in dress code at all. Uh And it's the official outfit of the school Uh program. Uh I said, well, there's your argument. Your argument, the, the argument is done. If yeah. the cheerleaders can have a skirt that's 12 inches above their knee, but mm-hmm. you, a non-cheerleader, have to, I can't, I don't know Welcome what Welcome to the transition phase. Stop with the cognitive dissonance and mm-hmm. understand that this is bullshit. And, and I'm stop, not asking for equality. I'm just saying stop it. And stop, stop treating children argument. like they're sexy adults. This they're is the, not. The largest part of her argument that her and her friends share is that we have to cover up the knees because we don't want to distract the boys. Right. We don't want to educate the That's boys. That's old school bullshit. Old school bullshit. No nimrods at this table. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.